good morning, Grace Church. It is so good to see all of you. My name is Brandon. I'm the pastor here, uh, and I'm excited to get into our teaching. But first, just really quick, it's so cool. We're talking about praying for back to school. I, I just want all of you to be aware because you guys were so generous um, over the past few weeks. We did a back to school backpack drive, and I want to show you a picture really quick. Stevie, can we show that picture really quick? You guys filled 24 backpacks for the community. Absolutely unbelievable. Such a great job. Um, just so cool. We delivered those to an elementary school right up the street um, and blessed a few families here at the church. But just thank you so much, like Dan was saying, for your, your, your radical generosity and just being outwardly focused. Um, I'm excited to dive into our teaching. I, I believe that this summer has been really special. We've been able to get back out into the community here at Grace Church. And we've been able to do a few different community events, back to school drive, movie night. We help partner with a, an event in West Bridgewater. And I believe that this fall, God has even more um, things planned, more, more impactful things planned for our church. And I'm so excited for what's to come this fall. I hope you guys are too. But last week, we wrapped up a series called At the Movies, um, and we, we finished the series. We talked about community. We looked at what community looks like in the Bible and why we should want to be a part of that. And to do that, we used the help of the movie The Goonies, which you can be honest. How many of you went home, watched The Goonies? Okay, yeah, one person. The rest of you, you could be honest. I know you did. I know you did. Um, and Tim Crawford, would, by the way, just absolutely crushed it, did such a good job teaching last week. He talked about how our community can direct our life. He talked about how our community can support and motivate us. And he talked about how our community, how we're responsible for it. Creating and finding community, it's no one else's job except for ours. We have to do that ourselves. And over the next couple weeks, we're actually going to be diving into a series called One Another, where we're going to look more at community. We're going to look more at, at, at what we find in the Bible when it comes to community and, and how if you aren't a part of community or, or a group here at Grace Church, man, the time is now. The time is now. Because the Bible actually, the Bible has a lot to say about what healthy community looks like. Different attributes of healthy community. And, and one of the ways the Bible does this is the Bible uses what's called one another statements. A lot of one another statements. And here's what I mean by that. Like, encourage one another. Serve one another. Be there for one another. Challenge one another. Serve one another. Teach one another. And then what we're going to be looking at today is love one another. Love one another. About a month, uh, maybe two months ago now, I, uh, I had a really, really hard marriage counseling session that I had to do. And I, I knew it was going to be really difficult. Um, and so what I did is I actually called one of, one of my best friends and I said, listen, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to share any details with you, but... This is going to be a really, this is going to be hard. This is going to be tough. And would you just pray with me? 
and my friend, without hesitating, prayed for me. We spent the next 10, 15 minutes just praying over this, this session, praying that God would work, praying that God would do something special. Um, and then my friend, over the next week leading up to this, this counseling session, he would text me, or he'd call me, or he'd check in on me and just say, hey man, praying, praying for you. Hey, if you need anything, just let me know. And then after the session, he called me and just encouraged me and said, I know that was probably pretty hard, but just you did the right thing. That's, that's loving one another. And his action showed me that he loved me and he wanted to be there for me. And, and that's exactly what God created this kind of community that we're in to be. It's created to be a family. The church is created and designed to be a family. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 19, Paul describes this very thing. He says, so now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are citizens with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Members of God's family. See what what we're going to be looking at, and the reason we want to talk about this and address it and make sure this is important is because we don't want church to just be a box that you check. We don't want church to be just something that you just attend. This is a family where you can find belonging, and that's our hope. So how do you become a part of it? How do you become a part of this Family. So it, it's, it's not like if, you were, if I were to just walk into somebody's home, I don't just become a part of their family. Now, that would be wild if that's how it works. If I just walked into your home, it's like, hey, thanks for, I'm just here now. Uh, I'll take whatever. That's not how it works. And it's the same way with the church. Just because you walk in through these doors, it's not like, boom, here you are. You're part of this family. It's, it's different. And we actually see in the book of Acts how people would become a part of of the church family, how, how people can become a part of this special community that God has created. And so in Acts chapter 2, you guys can turn there now. There's Bibles in front of you. Open up the Bible app on your phone. Acts chapter 2, verses 23 to 24, we see one of Jesus' disciples, one of the guys that was with Jesus his whole life, his whole ministry. He now His name is Peter. And Peter is preaching an incredible sermon. He's preaching Jesus. Listen, you guys knew this Jesus guy. You put him on a cross, you killed him, but here's the good news. You put him in a tomb and he raised back to life three days later. And Peter wants everyone to know who Jesus was. And so in Acts chapter 2, verses 23 to 24 to start, this is what Peter says. But God knew what would happen. And his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. See, Jesus being betrayed, this was all part of God's plan. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life. For death could not keep him in its grip. Now, if you jump down to verse 36 to 38, this is what it says. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Verse 37, Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? 
we've just heard that Jesus was the Messiah, that Jesus was the Son of God, that Jesus was raised to life. What do we do? How do we respond? Verse 38, Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to the response after Peter tells them, here's here's how to become a part of God's family. Listen to the response in verse 41. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. That day, that hour, that moment when they responded, the church grew 3,000 people. Unbelievable. But there's a clear distinction that we see made here in God's word, in the Bible. Those who believed what Peter said were added to the church. Those who believed. Now, here I want to be very clear. Not everyone that day became a part of God's family. Those who believed what Peter said became a part of God's family. John chapter 1, verses 12 and 13 confirms exactly what we're talking about. It says this, But to all who believed him and received him, and him is Jesus, they're talking about Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God, enter into God's family. They are reborn, not a physical birth, resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. See, we were all physically born. Okay, I don't have to tell you guys that. You know that. We're sitting here, right? We were physically born, but that's not what John is talking about. No, John's talking about a spiritual rebirth, being born again, being transformed into the family of God. And the family of God, it's the church. It's the church. And I don't mean Grace Church West Bridgewater. No, no, I'm talking about the church, the global church. All the churches in the world, that is God's family. And I'm sure right now, you're, maybe, maybe you've never heard this before. Like, what, what does it mean to be reborn? Does it, like, if I just show up here on Sunday... Am I reborn? If I just go to a church, does that, does that mean I've been reborn? Well, God, the, God's word, the Bible is very clear on how we enter God's family. We actually just saw it in the book of Acts. Peter actually tells us exactly what we need to do. There's three questions you need to answer to determine if you are a part of God's family, if you've entered into God's family. And the first one is this. Do you believe, do you believe that Jesus died and was resurrected for the payment of your sins? Or, or another way to say that is all the times that you will disobey God and be selfish uh, towards others, do you believe that Jesus died and resurrected and was the payment for those sins? Okay, so that's the first question. Answer that to yourself. The second question is, are you willing to repent of your sins? Or, or another way to say that is, are you willing to say, God, I messed up. 
I mess up every single day and ask for forgiveness. Okay, so that's the second question you need to ask. And then the third one is, will you surrender your life to God in obedience for the rest of your life? It's no longer about what you want. It's no longer about what I want. It's for the rest of our life, what does God want? How can I best obey and love God in everything I say and everything I do? And if you, if you answered right now, you're just thinking, oh, yeah, I, I answer all, all of those are yes for me. Like, I, I answer yes to all of those. Then that means you're part of God's family and your final step is to be baptized. Your final step, Peter says that. So after you do this, go and be baptized. So baptism uh, is an outward expression of something that happened inward. Okay, so when we, when we choose to follow Jesus, we're buried, we, we go underwater, and that symbolizes our old life is gone. And when we're raised to life again, it means we're, it's a new life. I'm choosing, I'm coming up out of the water, and I'm a new person. I'm following Jesus. And here's what's so exciting. If you have never been baptized, but you, you just answered yes to all three of those questions, next Sunday, we're doing baptisms here at Grace Church in West Bridgewater. And if you've never been a part of that, man, we'd love for you to sign up. Come and find me after in the lobby. We'll have signups ready to go. And I'd love to get your name down and we would love to baptize you next week. And if you've never been here for a baptism Sunday, they get wild. They're awesome. They're, they are so much fun. I'll never forget. We, we baptized, we did some student baptisms uh, a couple months ago. I'll never forget this 10th grade boy was so excited. He came up out of the water that he slipped and he fell out of the baptismal. It was incredible. It was incredible. Top 10 moment for me in my life. Um, the other step that you can take is we are kicking off a brand new life group this fall for new believers, people that have just started following Jesus, to, to teach them, to walk through, okay, I've made the decision to follow Jesus. What does that look like? And you're going to walk through what it looks like for about 10 weeks of what it looks like to follow Jesus. Man, we'd love to get you signed up for that absolutely incredible. It's going to be here Tuesday night, 7 p.m. It's going to be led by our very own Dana Edwards. It's, you don't want to miss it. So if that's you, if that's you, and you're new to your faith, you're trying to figure out what it looks like to follow Jesus, or you want to get baptized next week, man, that's your next step, is to get into that life group. We'll have signups available for that too. But what we just did, okay, so we've just walked through the groundwork of what it looks like to become a part of God's family. And if that's you, so excited. Uh, like, I'm overjoyed that that is what uh, you feel like you just did. And so what are the next steps? Well, the next steps are we start to live like a family. You're now a part of this family. And one thing to, that, that you got to remember is no family is perfect, no family is perfect. Now, our Father in heaven, God might be perfect, but man, his kids, we got some issues. We're not. We're not perfect. And because God knows that you and I can use all the help that we can get, he gave us instructions in his word, and that's the one another statements. And the first one we're going to look at is in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 says this, don't just pretend to love others. 
really love them, hate what is wrong, and hold tightly to what is good. Now, there's something so cool in this passage, and it's the Greek word for love. The Greek word for love here is agape. And agape is the deepest form of love. It's the highest form of love. It's a love that never stops. It's a love that never runs out. It's a love that never gives up. It's a sacrificial love. It's a I'll give everything I have for you kind of love. And it's the same love that Jesus has for us. In John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus says this, So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. And the Greek word for all of those loves, all three loves there, is agape. The same way that Jesus loved us, we should love others. Agape love. So what does this tell us? It tells us that we need to love others as Jesus loves us. We need to love others as Jesus loves us. A love that never runs out and never stops, that sacrifices an agape love. And this is a love that, that's so deep, it, it moves us to act on someone else's behalf. See, you can say that you love people, but if they don't feel loved by you, you're probably not doing a good job. <laughs> love without action, it's, it's fake. It's inauthentic. It's a kind of love that does not resemble the agape love that Jesus has for us or how he loves us. As my good friend John Mayer would say, love is a verb great song by the way love is a verb and this kind of sacrificial unending love is a love that should set followers of jesus apart that should make people ask questions be like how do you love like that how do you love that person how are you loving them through this it should lead us to do things that are completely countercultural. It's this kind of love that led Jesus to go and hang out with lepers. It, it's this kind of love that led Jesus to go and be with tax collectors and serve the outcasts. This is a different kind of love. Love one another as Jesus loves us. This love is different. And because of this, when we love this way, when we love others, they'll know we love Jesus. If we're loving with this sort of agape love, people will understand and ask questions, and it will give you an opportunity to, know, to tell them, listen, I, I love this way because I love Jesus. John chapter 13, verse 35. It says this, Your love for one another, another one another statement, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples that you are one of my followers, that you are a follower of Jesus, that you are a part of God's family. A true mark of a follower of Jesus and someone that's a child in God's family should be that uh, our capacity to love other people almost never runs out. 
that when people look at us, they're like, how do you keep loving? Especially the love that we have for other followers of Jesus. And yet somehow I feel like maybe it's become cool to say this. I don't really understand this, but a thing that we hear so often now from from Christians is, man, I love God, just don't love the church. It, that, that doesn't make sense. You, it's kind of like this, you can't love me, be all in on, on me as Brandon, be in a relationship with me, know me, if you hate my wife, Allie, which by the way is impossible to do. That doesn't, that doesn't work. We're kind of a package deal. And the Bible refers to the church as the bride of Christ. And Jesus said, this is kind of a package deal. You can't love me and hate my bride. That's not how this works. And so I pray that, man, if you're a guest here, if it's your first time here, I pray that when you walked into this building today, you witnessed a special kind of love. You witnessed something that is compelling you to ask questions and want to be a part of it. Because what you saw this morning was an unending, unending sacrificial agape love. Because one of the biggest reasons a follower of Jesus loves others is so that they know Jesus loves them. We love others so that other people know Jesus loves them. And we see this in 1 John chapter 4, verses 8 to 12. It says, but anyone who does not love, by the way, this love right here is agape, does not know God, for God is love. That word love right there, you can probably guess, is agape. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son, Jesus, as a sacrifice to take away our, son, our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God. But if we love each other, if we love each other, if we love despite the color of someone's skin, if we love despite someone's political affiliation, if we love despite someone's socioeconomic status, if we love despite someone's vaccination status, if we love despite someone's career, listen, God lives in us. And his love brought to full expression in us when we love like that. God loved us. God loved me right where I was. Right where I was. And when we do the same, we represent God's love to other people. We show someone that God, the, the love that God showed us. God's love is brought into full expression when we love each other. When we don't love each other, when we when we 
stop loving or we don't love each other, we're painting a tainted view of God's love and even who God is. 